I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Welcome to the latest edition of the Lost Words podcast. I'm joined, as ever, for the majors with Jason. Jason, hello. Uh, good evening, Tom. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Yourself? Marvellous. Absolutely good. And we've also got Ben Coley. Ben, hello. Hi, Tom. Yeah, good. Good as well, before you ask. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. you haven't asked. Um, yeah, refreshed by a week away in glorious Devon and um, full of the joys of, of summer uh, with, with the Open. You know, two years is too long, isn't it? I can't wait. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to this one. No, really excited for that. And Skylar Hoke as well. Sky, hello. Hey, Tom, Jason, Ben. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, you get a little American representation for the, the best tournament of the year. That's it. I mean, before we before we go any further, is it is it the British Open or is it the Open Championship that we're going for here, Skylar? I know we uh, there's there's a there's a bit of a um, I don't know a dispute over that one. It's the Open Championship. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to take any risks of being ridiculed anywhere. <laughs> it is the Open Championship. No, it's good. But look, a very strong start for Sky. I yeah, have to say, very yeah. strong start. We paid him to say that. It's all right. <laughs> But uh, look, we're back at Royal St. George's after uh, a 10-year absence uh, back in 2011 when Darren Clark won. Uh, obviously a very emotional victory there, Jason. Um, for me as well, Tom. Yeah. And for you as well, was it? <laughs> yeah. on, it's the only, story, open I've backed. <laughs> the only Open winner I've backed in 20 years. So, well, yeah, there you go. Very got, hopefully you repeat the same thing back again 10 years later and uh, you, you can take us out for the beers that we keep promising to arrange. I think the other two can afford it more than I can. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Well, look, we are, um, I, you know, I don't know quite whether we should expect uh, such uh, a veteran winning this, this year, but um, certainly there's a few going to be making the case. John Rahm is the, the overwhelming favourite, Ben, for this. Um, he was at the US Open as well. I think there was a lot of pointers to him there, obviously being at Torrey Pines. Um, I just have a hard time seeing him as such a clear favourite. I know I sort of beat the same drum most of the time and he, and he keeps making me look a bit foolish, but I, I think there's a bit of a big gap between him and, and second place in a betting. 100%. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think you look back to the Masters in November when DJ was 9, 10 to 1, um, very much the best player in the world, playing at a course we know he loved. Um, and all this, you know, comments like that, I know they, they don't really... They don't really add to the you know add any value no. to anything because it what what's been has been and it doesn't mean that the next guy coming along in different circumstances can't still be good value but i think the important thing to remember in an open championship um if you're betting on the monday in particular or the tuesday um really anything above you know an hour before they tee off there's a huge element of risk involved yeah. and for all you can have 12 places uh with a couple of firms you know taking on board that much risk at seven to one um or eight to one i i think it makes very little sense um and what i would say versus tory pines like I, again the fact that he won at tory pines doesn't mean he can't be a good bet here at a shorter price but tory pines is a pure test of execution that challenge that week who's going to execute the shots when they need to and he won it by the skin of his teeth brilliant he's a brilliant player brilliant person i really like him all that stuff but he won it by a shot because he hold a couple of 35 footers let's not pretend he went and and bossed it yeah um uh, so there, there are loads of reasons to think maybe he should be about a 12 to 1 shot so 8 to 1 um i, I wouldn't dream of it this week personally skyler are you on the same sort of wavelength for john ron this week yeah I, it's just something where as ben brought up there's just too many one i think 
unpredictedness in the Open Championship as we look at this far out, as Lynx Golf can be, as fair as hitting a drive down the middle of fairway, hitting a, you know, slope and ended up in the fescue. Like, this is not a, a track, I think, that you're betting somebody at that number. Um, and as we talk about every week, it's just not, for me, arguably, you know, being sub 20 to 1 is, is something that I really put in my staking plan all that much. So it's enough to pass, especially at where it is right now. Yeah, absolutely. And then, Jason, I'm sure you're going to tell us that he's your headline tip this week. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, it's not. I mean, number of points, really. I mean, I think there's a hangover still from Memorial when he was clear. So you've got that. You then obviously got in the room at Torrey and then, and then he could have, should have, probably would have, should have, could have, all the oops over the weekend, but he didn't. Um, and we go back. I mean, there's a number of points. I mean, we said it before and we say it again. You can have two of the next lot, Kepka, Rory, Scheffler, Spieth, Johnson, JT, Tyrrell Hatton for the same price. So... That instantly tells you. But one more thing, uh, although there are huge trends in the Open, I mean, there's a couple of guys have put up and, and they've done a fantastic job on 10-year trends, and they're absolutely right. Um, most people are ranking high who win this. Um, the outlier generally was Louis, who was uh, ranked 54 when he won. But the two that totally um, mix up the old trends over the last 20 years are uh, Darren Clark and Ben Curtis. And, of course, that's the two events that took place here. So, like you say, I don't expect conditions to be as bad as they were when Dazzler won. But, um, it, you know, it, that, that tells a story in its own. And, and anybody who wants to bet eight to one anybody um, doesn't work, really, for me. No, absolutely. I think I think potentially, Ben, looking at more of uh, the Greg Norman year here for terms of winning score nearer the sort of double digits under par, I thought if, like we say, you know, it's very hard to predict on a Monday, but it's looking fairly benign for the week if we are to believe what the forecast is at the moment. I, yeah, the weather looks nice. I, I wouldn't say benign. Um, you know, gusts of 25, 30 miles an hour potentially around there um, with the rough as thick as it is because for, the, for all we've had a wet um, summer so far and that will mean that the course is not Carnoustie 2018 firm and fast. Um, there's some reports that it does mean the rough is really horrible. Yeah. Um, so winning score in the open is probably about as hard as it gets in terms of trying to predict <laughs> it, you know, but I, I would say it's not going to be as hard as when Clark and Curtis won. Um, uh, if, if, you know, you offered me sort of eight or 10 under for my selections, I'd, I'd take it. And um, if that's only good enough to finish third or so, then, then fine. But I, I don't think scoring will be silly low. It rarely is um, in an open championship. And, um, and historically this one, as Jason said, has been probably the, the one most prone to, causing some strange things to occur and it's also the one where you hear the word luck discussed a lot um you know that they're, they're hogs back fairways and they they do often send an otherwise good shot in a direction which was not desired so um yeah i think it'll be tough i do think it'll be tough i, I think any kind of wind over 15 miles an hour um, on that kent coastline and, and it'll make them think yeah absolutely i think yeah i think benign is probably a bit a bit sort of uh pedestrian there but yeah, it, it it just seems to be that we're not expecting the sort of buckets of rain and, and, and things like that. And hopefully, uh, you know, it depends what you're looking at. Because I think every every week we kind of hear Sky going into some major championships, how long the rough is and how difficult that's going to play. And then it never seems to pan out the way. But it does seem to be this kind of record high rough at this, uh, this course. Yeah, it's it's arguably, I guess, the one that I feel least can be attacked from an off the tee. I just don't think it's somewhere... 
where you're going to separate yourself. Um, you know, Norman at the time probably was the best driver of the golf ball, or at least the longest driver of the golf ball in the game. And we saw him be the only one to reach double digits. So I do find that intriguing, you know, with, with DJ and, you know, I think what Phil was up there too. Uh, last time we saw it played. So, you know, two longer of the guys, but yeah, it's just a course that, you know, I, I'm almost not really waiting anything off the tee as long as you're not, you know, too spraying it. I, I just feel like you're just going to take your shots with the, the, the irons and who can get up and down the most from, you know, 50 to a hundred yards. Yeah. And I think actually, Jason, when you look back at that, I think Darren Clark had actually was hitting it fairly long and, and was longer than Phil that week. I think looking back at the stats and, you know, not not necessarily that he's a longer hitter by any means because he's not. But I just I think that probably Mickelson dialed it back and, and favoured accuracy over over distance. But I think the the recipe for disaster is short and crooked. But that's going to be the same for any golf course. Yeah, crooked is not going to get it done, is it? Yeah, you're right. It will be the same. But um, like you know, these are as we know, they're not flat greens. They're you're going to need to know what you're doing. You need to miss it on the right part. Um, if you're going to miss the fairway, make sure you miss it on the right side. You know, good luck, Bryson. <laughs> yeah. I I had a trio of players here that I, I thought was really interested in. Brooks Kepka was the first one, um, eighteen to one. He, he's just been improving in the Open. You know, tenth, sixth, and fourth. He's played well at Dunhill Links. He's been second there. He's played well in the Scottish Open. Uh, obviously, won on the Challenge Tour in Scotland as well, for whatever that means nowadays. Um, back-to-back top five finishes, gaining a load of strokes on approach in, in the last couple of starts. So, uh, you know, I really like the form that he's in. Um, we, we keep seeing it. It keeps feeling like he's, you know, we're going to write him off and his knee's playing up and then he does it. Um, so he was, he was certainly one that I'm still kind of considering and I, and I probably will end up going with. Um, and, then it, and then it was Jordan Spieth and just, uh, Dustin Johnson that I found were the hardest to sort of leave out then. Yeah, I can I can see where you're coming from. Certainly, with Kepka, um, essentially his his long game has been reliable, um, despite the the injury. Uh, first tee to green in the Travelers, eighth U.S. Open. Um, if he puts to a reasonable standard, there's no real reason he shouldn't be there or thereabouts. I've I've got a little nagging doubt about the way he's closed things out, which sounds really, you know, <laughs> he's finished second and fourth in the last mm-hmm. two majors, and I'm I'm picking holes. That's not generally what I do. I tend to look for the positives in these performances, but with Kepka, it's it's just something about his his manner and his obviously the spat uh, capital T capital S um, <laughs> with with Bryce and it there, there's something about him and, and you know the price is what it is. Um, I prefer Spieth. I think he's he's a, a great fit for this. Um, you know, as Sky said, it's not really going to be necessarily about what you do it off the tee. There's certainly a lot of clubbing down and. Um, he was a quite brilliant winner at Birkdale and he could so easily have won at St Andrews as well and he held the 54-hole lead when not in the form he's in today um, at Carnoustie, didn't he? Um, or else he played in the final group. It was certainly a, he was thereabouts. I, I feel like he was part of the share of the lead. So I like his chance probably more than Kepka um, and McElroy. DJ, I've not seen enough in his ball striking um, but what I would say about DJ um, as I'm sure you've spotted is that for all his open record has become quite poor since he could have won this in 2011 so often he's been banged there at halfway yeah. so um, I think it's better than it looks um, and obviously if he has found something in his long game and he's got Claude Harmon with him um, there this week then then there's no reason he can't show once again that he does have the skill set for this yeah and, and that's kind of my thoughts uh, Jason I'll come to you first on, on Dustin Johnson was that 
I think if anyone can sort of turn it around on a dime, I think he is the one. Um, you know, where Ben mentioned there with, with Kepka and, and how he sort of struggled to close things out, well, we spoke about how alarming it was kind of at, at the PGA Championship when we, you know, he makes that part thing it was on the first hole to, to sort of do a two-shot swing with Mickelson. You kind of think, oh, here we go again, it's Brooks Kepka. Um, and we saw it at the PJ Championship uh, the year prior as well, where he, he kind of didn't look as, as solid as he normally does. So I think there are sort of question marks there. But on to Dustin Johnson, um, you know, I kind of look at Troon as, as maybe some parallels to the golf courses. You had uh, Darren Clark was second there in 97 and 11th in 2004 before he won here in 2011. Mickelson's been third at uh, Troon in 2004, second in 2016, second here in 2011. Um, you know, Davis Love and Garcia have played very, very well, both as well. And DJ's had sort of two top nines at the golf course and uh, after the second here. And one of them came at Troon as well. I don't know if that was anything that you sort of picked up on, Jason. <laughs> he's, he's one of the ones I'd happily leave out, to be honest with you. <laughs> so, I'll, let, I'll let you speak. Um, yeah, I, I'd happily leave him out. I, I don't think his iron's the right. Um, I think he's going to put a lot of pressure on his short game. I don't think that's particularly banged on at the moment. Um, and he hasn't played since the Travellers. I'd like to see him do something. So, for me, at 20 to 1, I think there's a couple there that I'm, I'd be happy to put in front of him. Um, you Presum- know, um, presumably, Xander being one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, you'd go, I mean, go, look, uh, the advantage these days of playing the week before, I still think it's massive. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, just one thing I, I spotted. Um, it was Henrik Stenson before he won at Troon funnily enough that you're going on about um, he said that going early and practicing a little bit hasn't quite done it and he recognised the importance of uh, you know playing some sort of linksy type event or, or doing something like that um, very close to the event so I, I'd be really worried about Dustin Johnson but like I say I'm, I've got no real interest at his price and yeah I think Xander um, like, Jordan absolutely um I can't really see a negative in going for Jordan at the price he is. And likewise, Xander at the, you know, first 10, first 9, first 10. Um, I thought he improved very well last week. I thought some of his best play was actually as, the, as it got harder and harder. Yeah. Uh, look, I put him up last week. Him and his dad are going through this sort of mental guru type scenario. Now, he hasn't got a problem with his game. Physically and technically, he's, he's outstanding. We all know he should have won a couple of majors by now. Um, he's probably let two or well, he's let two, two tournaments go this year, um, possibly three. Um, and, and I was just he was he was pretty consistent um, over the week for Tita Green, not as his stunning best, but I thought he was learning all the time. I think there was um, the third hole. Third hole was a par five over the weekend, and it, that showed the difference between you know everyone was going on about Tory Pines and how boring it was. For me, that hole was was sort of symptomatic of what it, of what we meant. In that Torrey Pines would just bash the ball and then bash the ball straight again. Um, and this had a bunker beautifully put at 309 yards. Now, only Bryce in the world could, I think, would try and go over the, the tall pines. and He wouldn't be able to do it anyway. Um, so everybody had to aim for a tiny piece of the fairway. And I think him and I can't remember who his playing partner was, both hit beautiful drives and they both went into, the, um, into that bunker. Xander got in it, hit an absolute shocker that stayed in the bunker. And actually got out of it with par, I think, at the end. 207 yard up and down or something, 219 yard. And I thought from then on, he started learning again. I mean, I know he's got runner-up um, at the Open before. Uh, but I thought he started learning and learning a lot more. And I was 
look, I'm impressed with him anyway. Um, you know he's going to win the Masters next year. <laughs> uh, and look, he's 50%. He's got, I think it's 50%, 60% top 10 in majors so far. And I think he's got to be bang there again. I think it was a brilliant idea to play last week. Um, and I think 20 to 1. He's far too big compared to the favourite, to be honest with you. Um, and I'm very, very happy to put him in. Yeah, I, I agree with an awful lot of that. I mean, like you say, I think that he he kind of did that thing where he turned up on the leaderboard come the weekend and you think, well, where has he been the first couple of days, even though he opened up with a 67? He just seems to, even when you think he's not going to be there, he finishes in the top 10, and that's just a, a unique skill in itself. Um, and like you say, I mean, what he would have picked up at the Scottish Open and for what people say, it wasn't a, a true links test at Renaissance. I mean, it is what it is. It's set up in, in a linksy way, and, and it's better preparation than set at home or or over at the John Deere Classic, for example. So I think it was a good idea. Sky, we spoke um, over the weekend about the sort of how being impressed with some of the, the American golfers coming over um, and, and figuring it out. And I don't know if you took any of those and, and put those into your staking plan this week. I, I would say not at the top. I mean, the one that uh, I agree more on, on your side where you are, Tom, um, you know, Brooks, I, I really have a difficult time leaving him out right now with what that long game has been. I mean, that is as surprising as I would have thought, you know, coming back from injury, potentially that wouldn't have been the you know prediction I would have that we see the most consistent irons in quite some times, you know, arguably a, a couple of years yeah. um, from what we saw from Brooks. So that does give me a ton of confidence in him. I, I think Spieth would be, you know, right there with it if I'm going with the, the selections. But uh, opposite of what I felt our conversation last time us four got together at Kiowa where we were all you know relatively very confident going in with our certain selections up top there isn't one to me that is you know my favorite one of the bunch so I haven't really put my finger down and I think you know looking at it now I could find myself actually leaving out you know, everybody maybe sub 30 to one um, from my card. I, I was of the Americans. Um, I, I just can't figure out why Lynx golf hasn't really been his his, um, you know, specialty yet or even a top 10 finish. But Justin Thomas feels like to me, if you mention approach and around the green, you know, that that's just it, it's just natural for what his game is, you know, being one of, if not the best iron player in the world, being one of, if not the best around green player in the world and not pairing it together for a week in conditions where, you know, his scoring could be so beneficial. Um, uh, he gave me a second look after his eighth place finish, but I'm still not there with the numbers kind of plummeting a little bit. Yeah. And I think the thing is with uh, trends, Ben, is that we can get very locked in as, as we sort of alluded to at the start, that, there are very strong trends to this tournament, but you can get locked in. I mean, is it nine of the last 10 winners have had a top 10 in the Open Championship? Well, Justin Thomas has had an 11th. So, you know, you're talking about a roll of a ball at any one time during that whole week that would, would put him firmly in that trend. And if he had that top 10, maybe people would give him an extra chance. His iron game hasn't been where it has been in the past, but a bookend set of 65s at the Scottish Open, did that draw your attention at all? It did. It did a little. It, it was there, there are kind of two ways you can look at a player whose main strength isn't firing. And, and one is to say that means um, they're still some way from their best. And the other is to say you've got massive scope for potential. Yeah. Um, and with JT, if you to take the latter view, um, you know, you're talking about someone who's, who's managed to have a chance to win the Scottish Open, 
losing strokes with his approaches, I think, three of the four rounds. Yeah. And even when he gained strokes, it, it was negligible. Uh, and as Sky said, he's, he's one of the best two iron players in the sport. So there's a massive headroom there for improvement. Um, that being said, in, in my experience of JT, and, and I guess all of our views are colored by that, you know, our experiences backing them and what have you, it's generally been following him when something has clicked with his long game. Um, I remember when he won the USPGA, he'd, he'd come off a couple of miscuts in the summer, including at the Open, and I think he'd then finished something like 28th at Firestone, but his long game was brilliant. Um, and he went ahead and won the USPGA when he won the players. Um, you go back to earlier this year, his iron play was outstanding the week before at the concession. Um, and, and you know, he brought the rest to the party over that weekend. So um, I think coupled with a fairly mediocre record in majors since he won one, um, there's enough for me to avoid him. But like Sky, you would think fundamentally uh, this would be quite a good test for him. And, and there was a lot to like about 11th at Port Rush. And you're absolutely right, Tom, um, when it comes to trends, you know, I by all means study them and, and, and lean on them, but don't don't invest fully in them because, as you said, 11th at, at Port Rush, one shot and he qualifies for most trends. The same for John Rahm, the same for Patrick Cantlay, who was 12th on his open debut at Carnoustie, and I'm supposed to believe that's not good enough. Like, um, you know, we, we have to apply some context and some uh, creative thinking. Yeah, and, and I completely um, understand the point of trends and breaking down the field, and it's a really good piece. Dave Tindall obviously does some uh, very often, and and they, they serve a, an excellent purpose, and they do help you whistle down a shortlist. But they, I do sometimes, Jason, think that they are... You do have a danger of chucking people out. I mean, Colin Morikawa won't make any list because he's not played an Open Championship. I think Dave will, will openly admit, and Ben, correct me if I'm wrong, that he doesn't necessarily, you know, this isn't gospel. It's just no. a trends piece. He yeah. does it for the Masters, which works, doesn't it? Obviously, every time because we're at the same place. Um, so I don't, I don't think he, he just does it as these are the trends and here's something you can pick up on. Yeah. 100%, 100%, and it's a really good piece. Yeah, you're absolutely oh, right. Yeah. Dave would never. Dave is exactly the sort of person who would look at those trends and and then apply his own knowledge over them. Um, so yeah, no question about I mean, that. Equally, equally, it makes perfect sense. You yeah. know, you'd struggle to come into somewhere like this this week, having never seen a Lynx course before. I don't care how good you are over in, on the PGA, um, you're going to struggle. Um, so so it makes perfect sense that you've had a decent finish and. And the numbers do say it. So you work with what you've got, don't you? You work with your own numbers and you work with the trends. Um, and it's no different from us doing trends every week. It's just on the open, we are talking 10 years apart from the last time. And golf has come on an awful long way in 10 years. Um, you know, you talk about Greg Norman or whatever in the distance. I mean, the, the, the game's on a different planet now. The amount of players that can do what people were doing back then. Um, but, but it still makes perfect sense. I, I'd, I'd still rather see somebody... Um, you know, you can stretch it to a top 20, as you rightly say. You know, having a top 20 in bad conditions um, in England or Scotland, wherever that might be, is enough of a pointer. Um, so, yeah, you know, trends are trends, but, but I, I think they do work. And when you actually do look at them, you end up with a list, if you stretch it a bit, you end up with a list of 30 so really valid candidates that make an awful lot of sense. So, um, and, and like we say, I'm sure we'll go down the list and there'll be plenty of players in treble figures that will make a lot of sense, whether it's on trends or, or, or recent form in wind, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, like I say, Dave does a brilliant job. Everybody does. 
you know, they 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 love a major. We love a major, don't we? I mean, <laughs> the amount of articles that are out. I, I don't know how you guys do it. It's just how many hours and hours and hours must be done, and it's just stunning. So yeah, look, it, I think we look at it generally. Would the would the market look that much different, really? Where you know, wherever it was played, not particularly. But now we can add the, the the fantastic asset that, you know, if they're wild off the tee, then avoid them. If they're no good around the green, if they're Colin Morikawa, you know, um, things like that. So, I, I made the the vital mistake of extending those scopes slightly and and going out to <laughs> sort of top fifteen finishes instead of top tens, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and instead of the top three in your last three starts going to top fives, and all of a sudden I had about a list of about sixty eight people. Uh, and, it, and it actually made it even worse. But one person I was really happy on, and we'll come on to now, is uh, Tyrrell Hatton. Um, and Ben, I know you're obviously on as well. 33 to 1, he is available at uh, nine places, or if you take a, a few more places, slightly shorter. Um, he's got the two top six finishes in open championships. Um, you feel like this is probably the one that he's most likely to win if he is to get over the line in one. Um, Royal Troon, as I said before, I kind of like the link to that, and that's where he got his first of those two top sixes. Um, two-time Dunhill Lynx champion, should be three. Luckily for me, he didn't win that week because Lucas Beauregard was uh, the winner there. Um, he's been recently second at the Palmetto Championship, won in Dubai earlier in the year, uh, Abu Dhabi, sorry, earlier in the year, and he's just got an incredible form in the Scottish Open and Irish Open. So absolutely everything to love about Tyrrell Hatton. Um, I was getting slightly concerned about his performances in uh, bigger events in the majors and across the players. Just just in this recent sort of year, when we were expecting him to make the step up, he kind of looked a bit dicey. But I think he put that right, Ben, with uh, an 18th finish at the the Masters and, and less so maybe with the 38th at the PGA. But it did it did for a while look a little bit dicey in the bigger tournaments. It did, yeah. There'd definitely be the the complaint or the issue um obviously we're always dealing with with small sample sizes that they're, they're, they're sort of one-off events aren't they and if you were to strip away the 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 title of major they would just be those dotted poor performances but it's definitely an issue when you're a player like uh tyrrell whose expectations will have risen um how could they not the way he's played over the last two years since he won in turkey um you know uh there's a question mark there i think he answered it a little at augusta yeah. um a little bit more in the pga um he still has to go and prove it but i think the open championships the one where he will feel um like he's a genuine runner I, I don't know um as he would have felt that at tory pines i certainly didn't think he was uh, likely to be a factor there despite the way he'd hit the ball in the palmetto championship um largely because he'd, he'd barely been to california never played tory pines and it's a very big brutal golf course and and he's probably um, better when there's there's less pressure to, to, to hit the ball far and, and to attack. Um, I know he's, he's won a lot of low-scoring events, but they're still on generally positional golf courses. And basically, he's a player who, if you put him in the fairway next to Dustin Johnson, he can compete with Dustin Johnson. It's just that he can't usually get there alongside him. So, um, yeah, I like him a lot this week, as, as you for all the reasons you've said, Tom. You know, he's got a really good record on on Lynx golf courses, not just in the Dunhill Lynx, not just in this, uh, but in the Scottish Open, the Irish Open at Royal County Down, which is as pure a Lynx as you'll get. Um, and although he's been a long way behind the winners in 2016 and 2019, he's even even versus 2019, he's a significantly better player. Yeah. Um, and I liked his prep. I like that sort of quiet Scottish Open where you finish on the front foot 
to be honest, a few of the people I, I liked for the Open played a bit too well in the Scottish Open, like <laughs> Ian Poulter, for instance. I, I had an eye on him at like 110, 125 to 1, and now he's a 66 to 1 shot because he had a, a better week than, than someone else. You know, and I think we can possibly get a bit carried away with um, the specifics of the performance, and, and I'd rather just focus on it being a nice way to prepare, which I, I really do agree with Jason. I think it will be. So, uh, yeah, every, every chance to go well, I think. Yeah, Sky, any thoughts on Tyrrell Hatton for you? No, I mean, it's from, and I lean on you guys so much from understanding the differences year to year in some of the, what, you know, people that maybe aren't as into the European tour uh, will just designate as a Lynx track. You know, the Irish Open is incredibly different every year. We, we see the Renaissance Club being different from, from 19 to 20 to 21, you know, each of those years. So hearing the, the differences on some of it, I mean, the one that always has stood out as the best Lynx player of the guys coming over has always been, you know, Hatton. Um, so to see him put up, to see what he did yesterday, um, to see, you know, a, a better trends in, in major championships. Yeah. It's all readily. So, and I think the number is, is, you know, gen generous in itself as well. Um, 33s is, is more than enough, um, on Hatton. So I could see myself landing there as well. Yeah. absolutely. And Jason, final thoughts on, uh, Tyrrell Hatton. Yeah, he's so strong, isn't he? He's brilliant. I mean, obviously, we saw him at Bay Hill hold them all off in terrible conditions. Wentworth, very strong from the front. Uh, his two open efforts, he's gone 35th first round, finished fifth. Um, okay, he opened up well in 2019. But he went 318, 23-6. And then over the weekend, obviously, his best round was, was Sunday as well, where he was best of the week tee to green, best of the week patting, best of the week around the green. You can't at any point during that event if he's within sniffing distance, he's open to be backed. Um, he just doesn't give up. I, I, I think he's great. Mike him up for the whole week because he's awesome. <laughs> um, I just I just think as well, like he's just got his pedigree of, I know it's on the European Tour and people will sort of discount it quite easily. But you look and the, the constant winning at these Rolex Series events, I know they make it a bit of a marketing spill, but they are the stronger fields. They are the, you know, the stronger competitors he's got to go up against. You know, when you look at his actual major record, he had two top 10s in 2016, including this, two top 10s in 2018, another one in 2019. So he's, he's, he's there, you know, constantly on the leaderboards, regardless of whether he's close or, you know, a lot of them have been distant sort of top 10s. But he just constantly keeps himself in touch. And, and I think that's the great thing about the Opens, that he's going to be there and give himself, hopefully, a chance over the weekend. You know, obviously, no certainties with weather and draw biases and things like that. But... For me, just feels like a really, really solid and safe option there, and one that I think can can execute the victory. Um, Jason, any other thoughts around the sort of forty to one range? Uh, or no. Well, I think I think I mean Louis looks an absolute, you know, guaranteed top twenty, doesn't he? And we don't need to go into who stands and really and what he's done. He met times in runner-up in majors. Um, the only thing I'd say is when he won, it was minus sixteen. Obviously, when he was runner-up minus 15 at the links um and i can't say this will be too hard because he's just awesome wherever he plays um so he looks he looks an absolute i, I don't know what price he is sort of top 20 but he looks an absolute steal at that um Cantley i like but i i'm gonna leave him alone i'm not happy with him here i don't know what bryson's gonna do and morikawa had the single worst i don't know how he finished 73 on sunday i don't know if anybody was watching his um you know, when they do the, the early um, uh, featured groups. If anybody was watching Morikawa, it was just disgusting. It was filthy. 
he cannot come on from that to, to perform well here. I just don't believe it. Um, he just did not have a clue. Um, you know, unlike somebody like Xander, I know he's half the price, but you could see him improve and improve and improve it. Um, and he's had obviously had the experience on links before and open before. It was shocking. Um, so, you know, I'd be amazed if Morikara is challenging at any point. The but, only, yeah, that, the that, only that, concern with that is I, I once made that same thought process when I watched uh, Justin Rose putting at Wentworth and then he went and won the US Open at Merriam. Um, so I think I think he's the type of player that he's going to give himself so many opportunities that you know you know he's only got to make a certain amount of them to get to you know under par for the day. It's just is it one of those eye test bias that we we see him as such a bad? I know he is a you know no, pretty no, dreadful he, putter, he, but but when he missed sorry Tom, but I mean when he missed the fairway, he, he you know he just honestly it was just I, I can't even explain it. it was terrible. It wasn't him. I'm no. not saying that. That's no, obviously no. Mori Carr. We know he's better than that, yeah? I just think it just didn't suit. And now we're going to somewhere that's going to punish him even more. And to do that in three days, um, I, I'd just be amazed. With, with what we've had, with the positive thoughts of so many that are around him in the market, um, I, I, yeah, I'd be I'd, I'd be concerned for him this week, big time. But I'm, I'm stopping it there because obviously you've got a couple of selections coming up. Yeah, I mean, no, but, but no, but, but I think it's it's interesting to put a, you know like a line through as you have done through him because at the end of the day, this is a guy that is you know one one of well, he's the best iron player in the world. He's one of the best players mm-hmm. in the world, and he's done it all at a very early age. And he's he looks like an attractive price at forty-one. But if he plays like that in, like you say, for one people, on one hand, we've said it's really great prep for Scottish Open. It might be it might have completely destroyed his confidence going into the week like that. So it is. It'd be really interesting to see how he responds from that. Uh, the one other guy that I looked at around the 41 mark was Patrick Reed. Um, sort of noticed that you know there's, there's some parallels between sort of Beth Page Black and and this and this course, which seems strange, but it might just be the, the severity and the difficulty of it. Um, but obviously, uh, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Sergio Garcia have all played brilliantly at that golf course, um, and to a lesser extent, Lucas Glover. I'm sure we'll come on to a bit later on. Um, but Patrick Reed has obviously won that. The, the Barclays playoff event there um, and also if I remember rightly played um, okay as well in the, the PJ Championship 2019 um, so yeah I think that there's there's uh, scope for him there he's had two top 12 finishes um, in the Open Championship when people may look at his form as being a bit disappointing I think in terms of imagination around the green I think if we like uh, Jordan Spieth Ben in terms of his profile and how he plays, I would imagine that Patrick Reed's got a similar skill set and, and has shown it at times. Yeah, and he's he's playing well in every major championship he, he turns up in at the moment, isn't he? He's, he's in really curious run of finishing sort of between 10th and 20th every time, um, putting himself in some decent positions as he did at Winged Foot last year. So I, I think he, I think with Reed, it's kind of right there in front of you, isn't it? Um, I, if I had to guess where he'll finish, it would probably be in that same region again. I'd, I'd probably cop out and say he'll finish 16th or something, but um, it would be a surprise were he to uh, fail to make the weekend. And, you know, you, for 40 to 1, 45 to 1 and 12 places, I, I can see why anybody would be interested. You know, I, like I've, I've tipped a couple of golfers who are far less prolific at the same price. So um, I can I can certainly see where anyone would be coming from with that. Let's go on to those selections from you then, Ben, for the, the 45 to 1 mark. So Shane Lowry and Tommy Fleetwood, um, these are the two that I tipped at Port Rush. Um, just to confirm that once upon a time I did get a major right. <laughs> um, 
with Fleetwood, if I start with him, I mean, he was 28, 30 to one for that. And he's now 45 to one. And that's partly because he's not been playing particularly well this year. But I was kind of surprised, like he wasn't, he wasn't at his absolute best ahead of Port Rush, but he came alive on the links and he's got a brilliant attitude. We all know. I think Jason's as aware as I am of, of the quote uh, last year's Scottish Open when it was raining cats and dogs. And um, he, he said, I love it. We play for a lot of money. I'll go out in anything. Um, and I think that just speaks to his attitude and it's why he's managed to come through some very difficult tests to, to go close in a couple of US Opens. It's why he dealt so well with Shinnecott when people like Phil Mickelson were losing their minds. Um, and it's why he's really built this progressive Open Championship record. Um, 27th, 12th, 2nd, last three years. And, and the 27th and the 12th, both times, he started slowly. Um, but he doesn't quit uh, and he keeps going. And all these things we know, um, I think people would want to know why um, why he's not playing badly, um, not playing well rather, and and the truth is he's not driving it well. And I, I am concerned about that because, as we all know, Tommy Fleetwood at his best is is someone you could expect to rank in the top ten off the tee for any given week, and it's very much the club that has powered his success. Um, I'm giving him a bit of a pass, hoping that he's lit up by the links, but also um, well aware that driver really doesn't have to come out of the bag this week very often, um, even if it is a bit softer. So, um, yeah, it's his links record, really, Tom, in short, um, that I'm, I'm really drawn to. Um, and he seems in a good place mentally. So when is he not, I suppose? Um, as for Lowry, um, you know, he's the one he's shortened quite a bit from the 70 to 1, 66 to 1 before Port Rush, but, um, but hasn't won in the intervening two years. So <laughs> I can see why people would, would have some qualms there. But he says it himself. He doesn't win very often, but when he does win, it's a big one. Um, and I think he's a great example of a player who you probably shouldn't back at 12 or 14 to one. Um, you know, what was he? Eight? He was eight to one for the Irish open last September. Um, you know, he's not a player to get stuck into at eight to one, but when you can get plenty of places and, and, and something being with a four or a five um, in, in his ideal conditions, then I have no issue at all. I think he, he genuinely is, you know, I don't want to put a number on it and just flippantly say a shot. He's not a shot better around on a links course, but he is significantly better. Yeah. Um, I think if you run the fancy national models with with the uh, the high wins uh, box checked, he comes out pretty much level with Justin Johnson um, as the best player in the field. Um, and while I wouldn't for a second suggest he should be much further up the market, I think if you're looking to take on those top six in the betting, he's he's as solid as anybody. Um, he, he's he's I think he's the best links golfer in the field. Um, so, um, yeah, fingers crossed for the for the to emulate Padraig and and win it back to back. Yeah, and I'll, I'll sort of coming on both of those there. I think for me, Fleetwood last week I put him up at, at the Scottish Open, and, and in respect, I sort of it was just sort of between him and Cyril Hatton really, and I kind of went for Fleetwood one because he's a bigger price, and I just felt that he would, like you say, come alive on on the links and and really play sets, and he was right there for in, in each of the rounds. He, you know, he had a chance to to really kick on and. Even even going into the final round, you felt like he still had a slight chance despite being a number of players ahead of him. Um, and he was just slightly disappointed over the weekend. That has been a feature of his game over this course of the season, which put me off slightly in that respect. But on the flip side, so that Shane Lowry is is kind of building this consistency, I think, in his game, where especially over on the PJ Tour, ben, where he's gone sort of eighth for the Players' Championship, ninth for the Heritage, fourth for the PJ Championship, sixth at Memorial. I think it just is consistently there. And even, even in the weeks where he's not, He's not finishing in the best, you know, tied 30 of a Honda, you know, 48 for concession. That there seems to be something about his game that way that gives you uh, promise. 
Absolutely. Um, you know, his strokes gain approach figure last time out at the Irish Open was his best since 2019. He was first in greens and regulation. And although that's old money now, like Clark was second, Curtis was 11th. Um, kind of notable from Clark's renewal, the top three all hit a lot of greens and they didn't really scramble particularly well. And we always think scrambling and opens vital. Um, it kind of wasn't that year. And it, I would suggest if they had strokes gain approach stats from the 2011 Open, Clark would have been, if not first, then second. Um, you know, my memory certainly of that week is his ball flight in the wind and just hitting green after green um, and really impressive ball striking. And Shane's in that position now. He's he's got his long game exactly where it needs to be. And you know, there weren't many better than him. Um, certainly nobody better than him off the tee at the PGA Championship. And also, just referring to the PGA, by the way, I think if you, it's kind of a strange year. I think the. the the way the calendar is now in Europe in particular and with the influx of the better Americans, it used to be that if you could find a European tour player who'd won one of those events in, in the Middle East or had won at Wentworth in May, which is what Molinari did, what Rory did, um, one of those big marquee European tour events coming to the Open, it would be a great pointer. But now like DJ comes over and wins one of the events in the Middle East and you know, Hatton is a sort of mainly pga tour players so it's just changed a little bit like the european tour form guides are not quite what it used to be and i was looking around i couldn't really find an event that was to me a more promising guide than the pga uh you know you had mickelson won it boost and another open champion was the man who pushed him closest lowry and harrington tied for fourth he has four open champions tied fourth or better and and, and in amongst them brooks kepka who's got a great open record as well um i thought it was a an open like test and and lowry was fourth and I, I think if you play events on courses like a firm kiowa or royal st george's and 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 what have you he he hits the frame a heck of a lot of times um so yeah i, I think i've repeated myself a bit there but he, i think i think he, his game is just where it was when he won this in 2019 one final point on that ben before we move on from from those two do you think it serves him better that he's had this one-year gap of holding on to the claret jug and, and not having to defend it immediately a year after? Maybe. Um, maybe. I think, most of all, he's not someone who would be affected by that anyway, I don't think. Yeah. Um, I don't think he feels a great deal of pressure in that way. Um, media obligations and stuff. He, he, I think he, he, he's probably... I've read a quote. He said something like, I'm, I'm me I've not changed and, and he's a very comfortable in his own skin so I don't necessarily think he has any problems with the media the other thing is the open champion he's done his media today um, yeah. you know he's done his RNA press conference today um, others will be in on Wednesday um, and I, I would say he's got that out of the way and he can he can focus you know I'm sure he was playing some links golf last week to prepare he, he's done the same thing he did two years ago and, and taken the week off before the open having played in the irish and i know it wasn't a links course this time but um you know there are there are you can always find the holes but for me like lowry providing he was 40 or so to one was was always going to be in the staking plan yeah skyler any thoughts on those two from obviously from a european tour perspective for us you know any thoughts on fleetwood or lowry um yeah, I love the the sell. I think a little bit more to me on Lowry than Tommy, um, and and maybe it is just the fact that we I've seen Lowry more get over the hump recently than what we've had Tommy um, always hoping and and not you know really being there when expected to. Um, but yeah, I, I think the the pedigree angle of both of them and understanding the the way this course can be played versus where they've showed up no i i 
I trust your all three of your opinions on these type of golfers at this type of track uh, more than anything. Absolutely. And, and Jason, just to tie a bow on those two players for us. You can't knock them, can you? I mean, I like Tommy. I just think he needs to win. I mean, not necessarily this week. But he, I think he needs to win. Um, it's given six months or something. Um, it's becoming slightly worrying now. Um, but yeah, like, you know, like Ben said, he's a, you know comes across a cracking bloke, doesn't he? And he deserves it. He works his absolute ass off. So uh, yeah, you can't knock him. There's just something there. But conditions, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to rain, is it? Particularly this week. Um, you know, which is which would bring a lot more of them to the fore. Maybe him would be one. Um, Lowry, of course. I think it's, I think this is the open, isn't it? It's it's not. They can all hit 63 at any point. Whenever you know, at any point, any day. It's the, the skill set of them. The, these courses bring everything back down, don't they? So you know, there's going to be no DJ hitting 10 under. There's going to be no none of that. So it brings everything back level. And Lowry can still play his game that he does every week but he'll find himself creeping up the board. I thought he was, I think I said to you a few weeks ago, um, that Lowry was the one, maybe at last major, I said Lowry is the one that I think may be the bet for this Open. Um, yep. But I've missed all the prices now, so you know, I wish Ben the best of luck with him. <laughs> Jason, I had a sneaky suspicion, and I don't know because we haven't spoken about your selections uh, off air. Paul Casey, I thought, might have come into your mind this week. <laughs> he has come into my mind this week. It's a bit easy this game, isn't it? This predicting lark, isn't it? <laughs> Especially it sort of. But but like you say, it, it fits, doesn't it? Oh, look, we've said it before. We said it at the PGA when he finished fourth. You know, Ben just mentioned the PGA. You know, and he conveniently missed out, Mr. Casey, from being tied fourth with Padraig Carrington and Shane Lowry. <laughs> um, but you know, quite right, he hasn't won a major yet. Um, I think I, I'm slightly concerned that he's he's a um, you know play to the pins type of character. Um, whereas a, this is not going to be that case. But, you know, if you want a player with, with open form, uh, 11th and 3rd, if you want a player in form, I mean, he's just hitting the ball absolutely tremendously. You know, we know about the tied fourth at PGA. Another day, and he'd have gone very, very close to defending the Porsche um, in Germany. Uh, US Open top 10. I love Dubai. I think Dubai links are there for all these three that have come now the Irish Scottish and potentially here um, it, it, it's very very hard to, to ignore what Casey's doing this year um, he seems to be always there sometimes he, he doesn't play his best but he's you know for some reason and somehow uh, he's getting himself there he's, he's you know his iron play has been great I mean Tita Green you know look down yourself on tourtips.com I mean seventh is his worst in the last uh, five outings that includes the uh, US Open and the PGA top 15 and approaches around the green top 15 the last three times including the US Open it's you know put me off please because you know I'm struggling alright you look at the 2020 PGA Jason we reference an awful lot on here for, for a shift in attitude we think don't we how happy he was yeah. that week how content he was with his game how we think that Morikawa beat him as opposed to Casey potentially being a bit fragile and contention as he's been known to be, despite the fact he's won 20 times nearly worldwide. Um, but you just look at, you know, look at that since that tied second um, at that PGA, and he's got two missed cuts in that time, which is astounding, really. You know, missed cut the Shriners, missed cut the Heritage, not bothered about either of those in terms of this. Um, but then you've got the second at the PGA, 17th at the US Open, tw- uh, 38th at the Masters. Um, fifth for the players, twenty-six for the Masters, fourth for the PJ, seventh for the US Open. I mean, 
it, I think it all really depends on, on what you see as his kind of major championship, I suppose. Is Do you see him as a guy, like you say, uh, Jason, where he, where he fires at pins and maybe the PJ Championship setups kind of suit him in, in some respects and, you know, or whether you do think he can tough it out on, on the Kent links? I'd expect him to find an awful lot of fairways and I expect him to find an awful lot of greens. It depends what he does after that. But, it, you know, he appears to be improving. Yeah, for me, around and, and on the greens, when he won Dubai, gagged up basically. Like I say, I, I'm struggling to be. Put, I, I'm happy to be put put off him, no problem at all. But you know, I need a genuine reason why not to back him. Sky, try and put Jason off of Paul Casey this week. Uh, it's Paul Casey. I think that's uh, <laughs> how to describe it. I I, I mean, I, I like Paul Casey. I think um, you know he's probably as safe as it gets for maybe like a top. 20 selection at lower odds but yeah in the thick of it um i guess i would kind of see a little bit of that that tommy apprehension to me going with the selection and this is so hypocritical when i give my next guy here um who doesn't even have a win to his name um but yeah it's just um i mean jason hit the nail on the head with what his his you know year has been it's probably been a top, you know, five year of anybody um, in professional golf. Yeah, completely agree. And Ben, just just your thoughts on Paul Casey as well before we come on to Sky Selection. Yeah, I, I, I quite liked Casey. Um, the the only thing just nagging doubt is he doesn't really have a very good open record. And I know you could probably level that accusation at him in other majors. And and all the points you make about his improved attitude and and how it's helped him are valid. Um, but to have played in what. 17 or 18 opens and third in 2010 at St Andrews when a million miles behind Louis um, and only one of the top 10 I think that's quite a poor record for a player of his stature and, and it's certainly been poor at St George's um, I think basically he's he's got a very American style of playing um, I, that, that's probably the wrong phrase he's got a very modern style of playing you know he's a he's a he's a fabulously big and strong hitter um, who probably enjoys hitting high draws too much to um, work the shots required at an open championship so that that's the thing for me I don't think it's a perfect course for him but there's no doubt he's at the absolute top of his game yeah I think I think I think what we'd say there is he's probably playing to such a standard that he's really hard to, to overlook without at least coming to some sort of conclusions for yourself Sky, how, di- how, di- how diplomatic of you all thank you Sky <laughs> <laughs> uh, Next selection for you, Sky. I know you sort of mentioned there that he's he's not a winner, and but I'm guessing if it's Sky that we're thinking of, he's been performing incredibly well in these major championships in a short career. Yeah, and it's it's Scotty Scheffler, um, you know, and it's you mentioned the tune-up of of Xander Shoffley last week, um, Jason, and I think Scheffler's was right there, you know, with anybody that you'd want to see. You know, he puts the round of the tournament. Um, you know, on Friday to make the cut shooting 63, um, you know, was consistent with the driver leading, you know, the field in two of the, the four days. Um, and then just having a, a above average, you know, a top 10, I guess, uh, putter or top 20 putter for the week. He just seems to be good at everything, potentially not great at anything, which is, um, you know, why we get these middling, numbers on him in an outright market why maybe he's not often a popular selection but um i I think that that tweet kind of went a little uh around this weekend from from mark brody um where saying that looking at golfers in major championships there are two of them that have um 
nine rounds in a row beating the field average, which was the start of, or I guess round four at the masters, all of the U S open, all the PGA championship. And it's John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler. Um, so I, again, potentially, I think maybe the best non links, uh, maybe growing up or kind of where you could, you know, get some experience would maybe be in Texas. Um, you know, I think we might talk or I might talk a little bit about Will Zalatoris later on, but he had some quotes going on into the Scottish Open saying, you know, playing in some, you know, winters in Texas potentially was a little bit um, prep for him for the Scottish Open. And he felt that, you know, he was pretty prepared from that. So I think a collection of that, you know, the, his his numbers and even, you know, Ben mentioned, you know, Poulter kind of were chopped a little bit from a, a good Scottish Open. And so you have to swallow that a little bit with it. But I am more than happy with the, the 45s and, and 50s out there on Scheffler. Yeah, and the thing you mentioned there, his major championship record is, you know, it's impressive for someone of, of such limited uh, start so far. I mean, he's already had uh, three top tens of major championships, two in the PGA Championship uh, which are his first two starts, and the seventh in the US Open. So goes fourth and eighth in the PJ, seventh in the US Open, and also tied 27th low amateur, and um, back-to-back tied 19th finishes at the Masters as well. So he's been incredibly consistent. You mentioned there that the nine uh, rounds in a row beating the field average, and he's he kind of look, he did look like Jason that he grew into that event in the Scottish Open. Shot a 63 in the second round. Um, as as we said there, that and um, you know we and Brian spoke about it on the, the YouTube show last week is that. You know, if there is an American place to sort of grab and play in the winds, it may be Texas. And, and him and Will Zalatoris played an awful lot together, as did Jordan Spieth. Well, we've seen what Jordan Spieth's done and come over here. Um, he wouldn't have been a guy that had a, an abundance of links. He just took to it very, very quickly. And maybe Spieth is a little bit more creative in, in terms of Scheffler and Zalatoris around the greens and even on the greens. But but Scheffler's really hard to argue for his uh, standard of the game, which just maybe that win that he hasn't got yet. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been talking about Scheffler for. Yeah. Quite a while now. Um, I, I, I find it amazing if he was to to win something like this um, first time out. But yeah, look, he's he's a very very impressive player. I'm concerned of. No, I'm not concerned about his attitude when he's in contention. I just think the fact he hasn't done it keeps making it harder and harder for him to get over the line. Um, having said that, we, you don't have to get over the line this week. You've got what up to twelve places here, haven't you? Um, and he got to take six of the odds. So fifth, fifth first ten, fifth first eleven. Um, bloke's got a fantastic iron game. Um, I didn't think he'd take to Scotland particularly, um, but yeah, can't knock it. As you say, um, I'm concerned if he misses the green about getting up and down a lot. I, I, he's not for me, but he's definitely one that's. He has to win, doesn't he? At some point, he's going to win. Um, and the more he does well, the shorter his price becomes. So you may as well try and get 50 now because when he goes back home, it's um, not going to be anything like that, is it? Um, as I say, he's not for me. So I'll trade I'll trade Casey with you, Sky, and uh, see how we go. I, I don't know what Ben Curtis's profile was as much before that Open victory in 2003. I, you know, I was only 10 years old when he won that major. Sorry, guys, that, you know, probably remember that a little bit better than me um, he didn't have he didn't have one Tom, yeah and, and that and that's where i'm sort of sort of drawing a conclusion there is that if if ben curtis can go and do it i know it's you don't want to pin your hat on something like that but we have seen this major championship throw out some names of people that are you know not the most experienced haven't won um as much and you know 
Todd Hamilton won the following year. Yes, he'd won the Honda Classic, and yes, he was playing very well over in Japan and was probably a bit underrated. But I think that players of lesser ability have won before Scotty Scheffler, and I think that would give me, if I was looking for an optimistic view on him, Ben, that would probably be where I'd be looking. Yeah, I think that's that's a very fair point. And, and the only thing I would just underline is what Sky said about Texas. Um, you look at some of the surprise players in in open championships 2017 austin Connolly, who's a canadian um was living in texas playing a lot of golf with jordan spieth at the time and, and came over and was well he was he was playing on the european tour at the time but he was brilliant in that open championship and uh, ben curtis subsequently won a texas open didn't he uh, zach johnson has won the texas open at least twice i want to say three times um obviously an open champion as well uh, Mark Leishman was second in the Byron Nelson's got a great record in uh, TPC four seasons. And you know, wherever you look, most of the, the overseas players who've done well in the Open Championship have also either been based in or played well in Texas. And, and I, it makes sense. It's not one of those strange things. It's not like we're saying, oh, they're, they're all from, you know, uh, Washington State. It, hmm. They're from Texas where it's windy and it you know, as the points guy made about the, the winters there. So, yeah, I think uh, I think Sheffler's definitely a runner. No reason why he shouldn't be. And, and if talk of a, a softer course um, materialises, then then that will probably help him a little bit as well. And, and, and that major record you referenced, it extends to the WGCs as well, fifth at the concession and second in the match play. So he's, he's been big time all year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this kind of going into Texas sort of goes on to the next uh, pick for me. Um, and Ben as well, you're in, in agreement, is uh, Sergio Garcia, who now does reside in Texas. I don't think it's anything to do with the fact that he loves Lynx golf, but obviously a nice sort of correlation there. Um, he's had two top tens at his golf course. He's an incredible Lynx player. If you'd have asked anyone, I think, where Sergio Garcia was going to break through in a major championship, it would have been um, in the Open Championship. He happens to do it in the Masters. Um, but I think his form has been kind of overlooked a little bit in you know this season just purely because you know he's had that sort of sixth in dubai sixth uh, ninth at the players championship uh, he was third after 54 at colonial and sort of slipped away but the, the sort of the trio of top 20s that he's got coming into this week have, have really picked me up and and my thoughts onto him um and also just i think the the biggest thing for me in that three starts was that he got over that major demons bend where he you know it's been so long since he He's performed highly at these major championships and all of a sudden he makes a cut and finishes in the top 20 at the US Open and his, and his approach game has looked really good. 100%. I agree with all that. I, I don't think it's a bad thing that he saw Ram win either. Um, you know, we're seeing it right now with these Australians, second year running that Lucas Herbert and Minwoo Lee have won within a week or two of each other. I think when it happened last year, you also had Cameron Smith and uh, so many Australians and, and there's been Australians way beyond just the European tour of late as well um, and, and these things do happen um, you know it could be a coincidence I tend to think it isn't um, but everyone will have their own view on that I, I, I certainly wouldn't see it as a bad thing um, we got the Ryder Cup coming up um, there's no doubt he'll be focused and he's a brilliant Lynx golfer in, in, if we say that a top 10 is a place now in the, the modern speak of each way betting on golf then he's done that in half of his last 20 opens that's ridiculous you know to, <laughs> to be able to do that across a variety of courses um, and, and weather conditions two of those came here at Royal St George's uh, the last of them he was actually at the very same world ranking he was 51st in the world uh, which is what he is today and he turned up at Royal St George's and, and finished ninth. Um yeah, but what's not to like about him, really, except the fact that he had this major slump. Um, as you said, he came out of it to some degree at Torrey Pines. 
I suppose if we were putting a negative slant on that, you know, Torrey Pines is a, a more familiar course where he'd led the Buick uh, a long time ago. Um, and perhaps he found it a little bit more like a normal PGA Tour event. I don't know. Um, but one way or another, he can derive confidence from that. And, and really, if you look at his other performances, he starts as slowly as I can ride. I think he's got beat eight or nine shots by Hovland in the end. Well, he was a long way further than that back at the towards the start of the tournament, um, certainly after a couple of rounds. And um, forgive me, I've lost my train of thought. There we go, Colonial. You know, three rounds into Colonial, he, he, he looked like he could win it. Um, although it was Cockrack and Spieth at the top, he was right there with them, and he had a bad final round. So there's been loads of little signs that he's back to the form that saw him finish. Uh, what ninth at the players and six in Dubai behind Casey and, and generally look like he was in good form at the start of the year. Um, and he's a, just a fabulous links golfer. So uh, the more win, the better. And hopefully he can, uh, he can, you know, close his eyes over those four footers and, and they go in. <laughs> and, and and not only that, but, you know, we talk about the fact that that US Open may not have suited, but he missed the cut on a number at the PJ Championship and the Masters as well. So it feels like the major demons were basically being dealt with over those last two and then it culminated at the US Open um, but, but Skyler we spoke you know I spoke about Sergio Garcia basically since we started the show um, on the European Tour picks and bets um, and, and I sort of said that we sort of focus on him in these these major fields the Players Championship with these longer odds and I think that's another chance for him to do that this week yeah, it's it's something where, you know, his year, you know, I guess realistically since he won the Sanderson, so, you know, nine months of of prolific ball striking. I mean, week in and week out, you know, gaining a stroke per round off the tee, which, you know, even though it's not needed, it's very beneficial to put himself in there where he can, when, when he's on, he's one of the best iron players, you know, in this field teeing up this week. So can that putter cooperate? I mean, it has to open championship uh, pedigree in the past. So yeah, it's, it's something where it, that is an interesting point Ben brought up, I think where saying getting over demons at Tory Pines is almost, you know, another PGA tour type event um, where the fields are a major championship, but it may not be exactly what the, the course is saying. So, yeah, no, I could, I could see him contending too. Yeah, absolutely. And Jason, any thoughts on Sergio Garcia? Uh, no, if I'm against you three, no. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's four around that price, of which I like at least two. Um, it isn't Sergio. I mean, I appreciate that I'm, I'm a fan of Sergio for his iron play and his greens and reg. Um, but I think if we look back, I think I'm right. The passing average for the last few winners, uh, Larry, I think, was second. Molinari was fifth. Blimey. So it does prove that the Open can change things. Um, <laughs> Spieth was fourth. Henrik was seventh. Um, that's it, really. Thanks. Go on, give us the names around here that you like. <laughs> um, I, I, I thought Mark Leishman sort of yeah. spoke for himself. I mean, I'll leave. The, the, I mean, there are, there are a couple in the thing. I mean, Mark Leishman, I thought, absolutely spoke for himself. Um, he's a bit of a terrier, isn't he? He's a bit like Reed, um, very much of a terrier. But we know he absolutely, you know, he loves these conditions. He loves wind. Ben talked about Australians. Um, he's got to be one of the oldest out there, I think, hasn't he? Um, look, he was he was on a great run. It all went a bit wrong, um, 2020, and we spoke about it, and we we spoke plenty of times on here how he bounced back with that tied 13th in the Masters a place that he loves. He's then gone a bit in and out and he's returned again fifth at the Masters. So the tournaments that he turns up, he turns up at every year. Um, 
Look at his open form. He hit 65 in the final round to get fifth in 2014. Playoff um, against uh, Louis at St. Andrews. Um, and then he hit 63 final round at Birkdale. Um, I'm struggling to, to sort of kick him out of definitely a top 20. And more, you know, more, like, more likely a bit closer to the lead. Um, chased Hatton all the way at the final round at Bay Hill. We, all, we know what Leishman is. You know, the windier it is, the more it counts for his short game, the, the more likely he's going to be there. I mean, I know he's hit those low rounds, but he's another one a bit like Lowry, where I think they can play his game. And as long as they don't get away from him, he's going to be consistently there all the time. Whilst the other flashier players might play attacking shots that don't work. The Leishmans, the Lowrys, they know exactly what they're doing um, around here. And they're going to save shots over the field just by playing their own game. I thought, I mean, I don't know what he was earlier on because a bit busier today, but if the 66 has gone blue, then I presume he was around 70, um, which to me is huge value for a front, for a front place, to be honest with you. I, I just have vivid memories of Mark Leishman and being at St Andrews and it bucketing down with rain on the Saturday after he'd come in with a great score and, and jumping on at his price, um, which meant that I, I had, we'd both backed him, me and my dad, and my dad had also backed Louis Ustase, and so, of course, Zach Johnson had won that playoff and, and Leishman ended up in a divot with his uh, tee shot off, the, off that. So, you know, I think he's been very, very unfortunate. I think there's a reason that everyone sort of likes him in major championships. It's not just a case of, you know, he's come runner-up at a couple and, and or you know close I think there is a, a real major pedigree I think he does love an open championship I think it reminds him of home um so I certainly like that one Sky any thoughts on Mark Leishman yeah I can he's one of the the golfers I can just never peg correctly um he doesn't from somebody who runs a lot of strokes gained and kind of tries to course fit things and, and different he never is one that pops on that side of it but his name makes his way on leaderboards um, and coastal tracks have been a liking for him um, over the time. And um, I just think, yeah, he's somebody who we know plays well in the wind and arguably can, can make, you know, I guess if we are taking away from driving the ball, you know, that probably does help. Even though the last time out, I think he did actually do quite well off the tee um, and lead into this. But I think a course where you don't have to worry about that, does uh give a tick up to leishman yeah absolutely ben your your last three selections all sort of come in this sort of 66 to 80 to one range um so i'll sort of let you run through those and give us your thoughts great yeah daniel berger first of all i thought um was was straightforwardly overpriced really which is quite rare i think i think the market's generally about right in in majors you just you know it's the place part really that that adds the value i tend to think um but but with Berger, you know, he's, he's I think he was 28, 30 to one for the USPGA. He's he was disappointing there. He since finished seventh in the US Open and, and generally maintained his good form. Um, all the things you expect to see from him, you know, quality iron play, good putting remain. Um, there's no doubt that he's better under tough conditions. Uh, his four wins tell you that. He'll tell you that. Um, he said last year at the John Deere conveniently, sorry, last week at the John Deere conveniently, that he struggles to hit the ball high, um, and, and for that reason, you know, thinks links golf is is kind of okay for him. You, you look at his open record; it doesn't scream, um, you know, links specialist by any means. He's missed two cuts in three, and in the other he was 27th. But on the two he missed, there were both times he was in awful form or injured. Um, when he was 27th, he played three really good rounds and one bad one. Um, so I think there's just enough there to, to, to think that this is going to be right up his street. And, and he's, 
you know, he, he otherwise fits the profile. He's a winner by the sea this year. That's that's a great place to start any open research. Um, and as I said, he's doubled in price for for playing well. Um, and it's just because he's not done it in the open yet. And while I think that's a really good starting point, I think with some players and, and certainly ones who've been injured um, and also, you know, are now at their very, very best, um, it, it's not so important. Um, you know what they were doing years ago um because he's a different player so i'm fairly hopeful with with burger i think of all my selections he's the one who stands out as in the wrong place in the market you know really should he be a bigger price than tommy fleetwood well certainly not on their form this year and the only way he should be is that he's not an open golfer um i'm very hopeful thanks to his uh, florida upbringing and his honda classic second to padre harrington all those years ago that he will actually prove to be one um so so that's the case for burger i think harris english although not in my selections is very interesting at the same price i just kind of see harris english winning, winning back-to-back events i know that's a silly thing to say but I, that kind of put me off a little bit um so the others for me are brandon grace and ricky fowler um grace will be very popular in fact he has been very popular um he's very obvious uh, he's a he's a fine links golfer he's got a very solid record in the open including that round of 62 at Birkdale uh, all his best forms by the coast Dunhill links Fancourt links Qatar Harbour Town Puerto Rico um, we all know that and uh, and he's been in brilliant form lately almost like a really nice sort of almost a grand national prep like he played really really well um, three and two starts ago and then he just went through the motions a bit last week um, and hopefully is saving something uh, for the Open. Um, definitely a potential winner. And I think the one thing with Grace is that we forget, yeah, he was seventh at, or whatever he was, fourth or seventh at uh, Torrey Pines. He was also fifth going into the final round at the USPGA. So he's contended in two of the, the last three majors. The, the uh, And Augusta doesn't suit. Um, Fowler, I, I don't think people will buy into this, but I think he's just such an, an artist-style golfer that when you get him in that elemental way of thinking uh, he's better and when you combine that with the the patches of form he's shown um including by the way eighth in the uspga i've already said that i think that's going to be a really good form guide that's the only major he's played in this year um and if you go back to last year at the us open he hit the ball more than well enough to be a factor there but he was last in putting so you know if there's anything we can say about ricky fowler you can say okay he's not the player he was and he doesn't win enough on the flip side if you would say one thing positive about him it's always been a brilliant player at peaking for majors um and at 80 to 1 you know having done enough over the last four to six weeks um and now return to the course where he was fifth in 2011 uh he's only missed one open cut in 10 goes he's got three top sixes you know it's all there in front of you but uh, i didn't necessarily think we'd get 80 to 1 ricky fowler after he was six at port rush so uh, i'm happy to chance it yeah, uh, just to run through my thoughts on, on those there. Um, Harris English, you know, had the previous 15th place finish at the Open Championship, is in the form of his life once again. Um, so I can certainly see the appeal there. Daniel Berger, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the St. Jude Classic, you know, there's a bit of win there as well. He's won that back to back. So under Classic, Florida guy, you know, I think there's certainly uh, an element of that as, as his low ball flight. And Fowler was one that, that I kind of just left out just based on the fact that I possibly think he's going to be. Maybe a bit more popular than than maybe we give it credit for, and you know, 
although there's still signs, it's still been a while since we've really, really seen him in contention. And I find it hard, you know, even when he wasn't winning and he was peaking really well for the majors, he was he was getting there or thereabouts. And I feel like he hasn't had that as much. I know that T8 at the PJ Championship is huge and it's a really good, in, you know, indicator. And the 11th at Memorial again. So in his sort of two recent events that have been really tough, he's been he's been really well there. So any thoughts on those ones, Jason? <laughs> It's funny everybody ends up with the same thing, isn't it? Um, yeah, I was really gutted when I saw that um, uh, Dave Tyndall put English up as uh, his main each-way bet, and I was dreading opening up Ben's column as well and seeing the same thing. But thank God he put it was a toss-up between him and Berger and it the other way. Um, yeah, I, I, I really like Harris English. I mean, full credit to, to our guest, you know, um, that was putting him up at 150 and, and prices like that last year when he was totally out of form. Um but yeah, look, you, you've mentioned it all. He's, he's banging form. I love the fact that he he went 59 to 15 through the tournament at uh, Muirfield. Um, winning score was only minus three, so the harder it gets, I've got no problem with him. Obviously, Hawaii and Travellers, got no problem with wind. But it, it's, it's like you say, it's in front of you, and I'm, I'm surprised he is 70, 75 to one. Um, so yeah, English is in my thing. Uh, Berger isn't, just because I've got another one of his clan in later on at a bigger price. Uh, Ricky Fowler, I'm in really two minds about. I absolutely agree. I think I've got a big question mark against him in terms of do you go in or not? Um, is this the week? Is this not the week? Is he going to be fired up after missing the US Open? Um, don't know. He's, he's on a question mark, but I agree. I think he's on the way back. And it's it's a matter of getting his price before he actually does it. And we now, you know, then having to take sort of, you know, 33 and less about him. Don't know. I think I think the point that, that Ben makes is is you know the creativity aspect and the fact that we've mentioned across a lot of the golfers' sky this week is that uh, you know the off to tee game is not going to come under the scope as much as as people would expect at an Open Championship and that may just benefit Ricky Fowler in the sense that he can you know take the pressure off his shoulders there and just really focus on the short game and and the iron play that he can get really so creative with on these things golf courses. Yeah, Ricky is, you know, stateside a little bit tough for me to find myself um, wagering on very often. I, I really enjoy, you know, Ricky as a golfer, as a person, um, but he is normally, you know, way lower odds or, or way higher priced in daily fantasy sports um, over here um, that I just don't find him um, often uh, getting my dollars. So uh, would he could he have a good week? Have the trends looked up? Um, you know, absolutely. Um, so I can see that with him. I still have nightmares over Daniel Berger's Thursday at Kiowa around the green game play that um, the Friday was one of the best rounds of that week that he put together. But that Thursday around the green does scare me. But he is very off priced in the outright market when it comes to DraftKings this week. Actually, you'll probably end up seeing guys that Daniel Berger is if not the most popular player, one of the top three due to a very big misprice in that market too. So you're going to have a lot of people rooting on for Daniel Berger this week. Yeah, absolutely. And for me now, I, you know, I've got a, a trio of kind of longer shots to talk about and I'll, I'll mention them before we come on to the other guys. Uh, Alex Noren for me has been absolutely exceptional in open championships in the past. He's played well at Dunhill Links. He's obviously won in Scotland, Wales. Um, you know, he's just He's absolutely incredible on Lynx Golf. Um, when you look at his actual event form in the Open Championship, 19th, 9th, 6th, 17th, 11th, the 6th, 17th, 11th for his last three efforts. Um, you know, he had that kind of return to form, if you like, at the, the Rocket Mortgage where he 
sort of left a horrible putt short on on the final green, but otherwise was was really positive there. So I was quite impressed with him. Um, Lucas Glover, I know this could be, uh, you know, a t- tendency, Jason, uh, to see um, maybe a bit of recency bias in the fact that he won yesterday. Uh, but he was kind of a guy that I'd, I'd been penciling before yesterday and was hoping that he didn't do anything yesterday, really, um, because he, um, you know, he's just been striking the ball as he normally does and playing well, and there just seems to be a little bit more confidence coming back into his game. I think he's he's better in this Open Championship than, than maybe people are giving him credit for. I mean, he was a 36-hole leader here in 2011, um, you know, and... He's a major champion already at the U.S. Open. Uh, Beth Page Black, which we alluded to earlier, that's a, uh, a factor. That's great. Quail Hollow links a lot with Mickelson and DJ as well there. Um, and and I just think he's a guy that, that can live off confidence. When he won that U.S. Open, um, he followed that up with 11th and 5th place finishes on the PGA Tour and then was 5th in his very next major as well. So I don't think he's a guy that kind of rests on his laurels. I think that he, he, you know, he takes the win and, and gains an awful lot of confidence for it. And I think it's really good timing for him. So, Jason, I'm sure by the the little chuckle there, you've got some thoughts on Lucas Glover. No, I, I agree. I agree with what you say. You know, when, you know, US Open, fifth US PGA. Um, he's got he was fourth in Spieth's Texas Open earlier on this year. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought two seven five was was a bit big. I mean, he's on that list if you want to do the trends. Like, like, you know, like yourself and everybody said earlier on, he was 12th. Okay, which is a roll, a ball away, isn't it? Or one putt away from being in the top 10. Uh, but he's got the recent form as well. I, I thought 275. It's a big ask, isn't it, to come over after your first win for ages, to come over and, and have, you know, whatever, one and a half days, two days of practicing completely different conditions um, and go on and do something. But, you know, you're not asking, it's not, like you say, I mean, I, I, I appreciate Porter and uh, I had him down, but he's gone down to 66 um, because of that effort. And, you know, I'm not comparing the two, but you can have 275 about Glover, who we all know can be up there in any standard of competition. It's just when he comes to that five-foot putt that we really worry. Um, who knows what a win can do for you? So, yeah, I thought 275 was worth a shekel each way, wasn't it? hundred percent. I think you you know, like these place terms just keep increasing and I just I just can just definitely see him being up there after the first couple of days, just riding a wave of confidence, being really happy with his game. Uh, you know, maybe he drops back, he misses a few on moving day or whatever and people start to laugh at him. That you know, you're taking the place part, I think, of that. I don't I certainly don't expect him to go back to back and win, but I'm pretty confident in his chances to place. Stuart Sink I've got written down as obviously a former open winner, breaking hearts. Um, two-time winner this season. Looked like at one point he could be a three-time winner. Um, you know, he would certainly be the PGA Tour Player of the Year if that was the case. Slightly off the boil maybe at the moment, which kind of put me off a little bit. And and a word on Mickelson as well, Ben. I, I just wondered whether he might have snuck into your, you know, your staking plan, possibly just the fact that to try and see him doing that kind of twice in one year uh, with major championships. I just I just thought he might give him a bit of a nod. Yeah, it's very much a can lightning strike twice um, uh, a mission, I guess. Nothing really otherwise to to suggest he's not interesting at, at touching 100 to 1. Um, Matt Cooper did a piece today. Uh, he's done a very good diary for sportinglife.com, which I'm sure you'll all be reading. But he also did a piece for uh, another website discussing um, how uh, Mickelson's uh, open 
victory in 2013 was actually traced back to 2011 and he had a bit of a eureka moment with Lynx golf and, and said he'd never had so much fun on a golf course and of course that was here as he as he laid down the gauntlet to darren clark so um yeah there's not there's nothing not to like i just i can't it can't happen again can it <laughs> it can't um so that, that that's a very flimsy reason to leave him out but it was pretty much mine yeah, and the other one for me was Keegan Bradley. I think he's just returning to form. I think his open record's pretty decent. Um, again, I think you're, you're looking for place money there, but I think he's returned to an awful lot of form, um, hitting his eyes incredibly well. We know his major championship pedigree. We know his WGC pedigree. We know his you know, general top event uh, form. He, he's just been a, a rejuvenated golfer, you know, the biggest person to struggle since the anchoring ban came in, um, but it, he seems to be finding his way back. I mean, he was second to Sam's burn at the Val- Sam Burns at the Valspar. Um, at the 17th at the PGA, which we're obviously talking about being a big link to this. I think he was quite well fancied there for obvious reasons. Um, was 14th last time out at the Rocket Mortgage, which I wouldn't necessarily suggest was something right up Keegan Bradley Street. But uh, yeah, just a couple of names there to mention, not ones I'm definitive on, but We'll keep an eye on the the exchange prices for them, and certainly top twenties as well. Sky was really other... Tom, first round Go lead. On. Sorry, I just you got to say it, haven't you, with Keegan Bradley? I mean, you know, he's he's placed in the first round leader market in the Open before yeah. he did it at Kia Island. He looked like he was going to land a first round leader bet at about sixty sixes, and he's one hundred and twenty five here. So, uh, yeah, I think you you're compelled to have a small play on that. Yeah, I think that's the way forward as well because it's probably what he will uh, do. I don't think I don't I don't know that he can stay the course, especially with his putting. But you know, maybe that doesn't come under the scope as much here. Um, Sky, long shots for you. I know you're quite keen on on, on a few triple figures prizes here. Yeah, I'm uh, going to do the majority of my talking for this show in the next you know 15 <laughs> minutes here. I might need a breather or two from you guys because yeah, the selections for me really that I'm very intrigued on do come down the board here. Not only had, did we see, of course, the long shot winners in Clark and Curtis at you know Royal St. George's here, but we also year in and year out do see these triple digit guys get into the places. Um, so I think they're provides a ton of each way opportunity you know in the states we don't really get you know up beyond really seven places all too much um so you off also don't see you know the sea of blue on odds checker for somebody like polter who still had hundreds available this morning um so i definitely found intrigue on on him um but the golfers that you know for me that i i really want to kind of keen in on is is one that I've backed now three weeks in a row and has been just absolutely nails. And it's Lucas Herbert. Um, You know, Lucas Herbert goes from back to back top 20 finishes on the PGA tour, relatively quietly doing that at the Memorial. And then the travelers after Monday qualifying obviously wins the Irish open and, and doing it. So on that Sunday with so many par saves, you know, from, you know, absolute jail, um, you know, on that on that opening nine and even a couple times to to kick off the back nine where, you know, that that game is going to be needed. His putter has been so good um, the, the last month. So Herbert would be one. And, and of course, he's also somebody that has saw his number, you know, just be cut in half. I mean, he was still available at 150 this morning um, at some books in the States. So there has been a bit of value, you know, beyond with him. Um, if we talk. Um, uh, another two golfers that I think that are, are really in form, um, one being burned Weisberger, you know, I think burns, you know, somebody that gets the, 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 I guess 
narrative in my head is just that pesky always around the leaderboard somebody who maybe is too short in the outright market most weeks that you know you need him to fade from a leaderboard and he's just there every single time and it's because his around the green and specifically that putter is just unbelievable um and he saves himself from so many places often and that is something that's going to be very very important of course we talked about this week and maybe it's not even summed up the best in strokes gained around the green it's really saving yourself from 50 to 125 yards because around the green strokes gain statistics only factor in shots that are 30 yards from the green so it's really not the the best stat potentially to go through and that all arguably comes down to watching the 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 golf or sitting there on 365 tracker and, <laughs> and being you know knowing how how they play so but burned has done something in the last month dramatically changing his iron game his irons have been you know best i've really seen out of him you know in quite some time pretty much since his return to dominance um in the sense i guess when he came out and won you know multiple times but you know five events in a row pretty much gaining over a stroke per round in approach um, you know, even at the U.S. Open, he, he gained, you know, four strokes approach almost in two rounds, missing the cut there on the number. So I think his game is in better form than he's getting, um, you know, that that pedigree for. So I think his outright outright numbers um, with the each way uh, extended places are, are very much in form. And if you think the Phil Mickelson renaissance, um, you know, could be, you know, something there, the, the, the European tour side of it. <laughs> has to be and, and this is you know in my heart of hearts to be able to, to say this but i I, have, I think the story can be written for richard bland i mm-hmm. mean it, it's continued you know beyond getting over the hump of the first one we all would have been okay you know for him to miss every single cut the rest of the year you know like i i wouldn't have have seen or really paid attention much to richard bland you know outside of him getting that win and if he faded back to normalcy okay that is that is fine. But what he has continued to do, realistically, being on the first page of the leaderboard four consecutive events after that win, of course, 36 holes, you know, at Torrey Pines was was beautiful. Um, but to, to do it again and again and, and have the short game and have that putter remain, you know, very consistent. I have a tough time leaving him out um, as well. Um, and then I don't even I might have to let the room settle down a second before we <laughs> we talk the italian stallion here yeah. well look, that, that for me right so richard bland is someone that me and jason have mocked on the podcast me and sky certainly mocked on the podcast we certainly used the the introduction to the show that we can tell you about all these golfers like richard Bland that you have no idea who they are um and kind of introduce them to you he's played in um four major championships in his career uh, he's played in two opens he missed the cut in 98 and made the cut and finished tied 22nd in Birkdale so but we've got to view him as a different golfer he he's just a completely different golfer um probably over the last sort of two seasons um but very much so since that win I mean you kind of you could forgive him for getting that win and just completely disappearing but he's gone first third 36 hole lead at the US Open fourth at the Irish Open 15th last week I mean you, you keep thinking, when's it going to end? When's it going to stop? And you would happen to think that it would probably be here when he has to make up another step up. But the number is just so enticing that I can certainly see that. But Wiesberger, again, I think a lot of people are going to jump off because he kind of lit them down at the Scottish Open last week. I think it was quite a popular selection at decent prices. But like you say there, Sky, the, the irons have been so good that 
you know, you're, you're playing for placement. The only thing that slightly concerns me with with Wiesberger is that he's performed so well in majors or played his best golf in majors over in over in the states and not so much this side of the pond, which seems strange for his profile. Um, Jason, any thoughts on any of those picks there? <laughs> It's only because he starts with a B, but he, he is actually top of the list. Yeah, uh, there's nobody of A because answer's not there. The number one Mexican golfer. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Richard Bland is there because, like you say, it's impossible to see him doing it. It just can't happen. But why not? He was sixth at halfway in 2017. Obviously, faded away to 22nd itself. Not a bad effort. And I agree with you. He's that win has just just given him. Where it just so much relaxation in his game, it's just remarkable. So yeah, I, I, for you know, like you say, from from literally him being the first one I was opposing on a on a Sunday two ball, um, and doing quite well at it, he's now somebody I'm going to be quite happy to see do quite well. Um, don't know if I can press the button on him, but I'll be very happy to see him do something special. Um, Lucas Glover on with you, I Lucas Herbert, yeah, absolutely playing tremendous. Obviously, there's only a shot away on Sunday. Um, from really getting involved. Um, I said it in my piece, he absolutely hates the first two holes around Renaissance course. Um, <laughs> so he'll be glad that they're going to sort of change that quite a lot. Um, he's masses over in, in his career around there. Um, but he's playing beautiful. And, and as an Australian as well, um, you know, he's going to love it when it gets windy. Um, the only other one I had really, apart from them, I mean, don't forget, we haven't actually mentioned Rory McIlroy, but anyway, the only other one that I've... I've um, well, there's one got... golfer that I thought you really haven't mentioned. We've got this Yeah, there will be the in show. a minute, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> there will be in a minute. Um, it is, was the, the third bit of the um, uh, Webb Simpson, Daniel Berger uh, triumvirate, which is um, Kevin Kisner. Yeah. Um, I just thought he was quite interested. It comes down to, again, a game of patience. If it's, if it's you know, I, I don't think it's going to be. But if it's something like a three, four, five under winning score, um, I thought Kisner might might go really well with his accuracy. Um, obviously, you know he's got back form in, in the highest class HSBC. You know he's got form in the Heritage. He led for three and a bit rounds, didn't he? Here back in 2018, before probably collapsing under the pressure of leading, to be honest. Um, but still managed to hold on um, for a place. Um, and having been out of form completely. Like we, we've discussed many of these that you know players that have been out of form for a considerable period, Harris English for example, you know English has uh, sorry Kisner has, has fought back fantastically, two sixty threes at the Travellers, um, every round under sixty nine or better at the Rocky Mortgage last time. Again, would I you have liked to have seen him over here and had a run? The likelihood is yes, um, but I thought at one hundred and fifty, one hundred seventy five or whatever he is, he was worth a look. Uh, Matt Wallace who I expect to be better than his, his form showing in opens. Um, again, you know, I, I thought he showed up really well over the weekend. He's another three-figure price. But, you know, my anti-post bet since October, um, mm-hmm. he's probably too young to win it, at, I think, at the moment, looking at all this. But he's, you know, um, Bob McIntyre. Um, I'm convinced he goes well. I'm convinced he wins one at some point. It might be when he's 47. Um, in which case he needs to win at least 20-something to one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Bob McIntyre, uh, second at the British Masters, signed Kinnell, um, alongside Pepper and Wallace. I know, in, in, in essence, that's not, you know, top, top class, but they all fit into um, the right type, of course. I mean, Kinnell, for example, has got Qatar form all over the place, PGA form, 
So that fits in lovely. He was second behind Wiesberg at the Maiden Denmark. Um, tied six, obviously, in his first effort at the, at the Open um, when he came from, um, I think he was third after the first round and went 25th, 29th, six. Um, he's another one, never, ever gives up. Uh, third in Dubai, which we've already discussed, I really, really like a lot. And again, that's mixed in with the likes of Brandon Stone, again, not this class, but Scottish Open winner. Sergio Pod from Wiesberger, Thomas Dietrich, who played well over the weekend. Um, everyone's been watching McIntyre. Everybody expected him to do better, which is which is why every time I actually was going through a good run, <laughs> it seems so long ago, I just started <laughs> chipping away at him at sort of 190 and things like that <laughs> because I thought he would be doing better. And I thought he'd have won by now and I thought he'd be going off at 50s. Um, nevertheless, I think if this gets quite difficult and doesn't run away, I, I can see Mac. I, I'm slightly concerned about the way he's performing on the greens. Um, but I think if this is a, uh, a sort of, again, minus five, minus six winning score, I can see him being there the whole time. Um, everybody's got a high rating of him. I, I believe, like I say, he will win the Open one day. It may not be this year, but I'm on already and I've been on for five months. So um, he has to get mentioned, doesn't he? I think Sky Sports may well hire you because everyone else seems to sort of say he's a dead certainty for yeah, a Ryder Cup sport. He's dead yeah. certainty for a major championship. He's dead certainty for everything. That's and, silly. And the way they talk about him is if he's like the, the world's number one. Um, and and that, I find that quite nauseating, but that's not his fault. That certainly isn't his fault. He, he can only play the golf and and show up for me there's just been a couple of times where you keep thinking he's going to take a step forward in an event and he misses a really short putt or he misses or he leaves a long putt really short and again everyone has other downfalls you say all the time jason if everyone had every skill set they would be you know the best golfer in the world so there has to be a negative to him um i just i just wonder i mean you, you talk about it actually getting tough i think he actually would he's more modern golfer would actually go for a lower scoring uh, version but wouldn't make enough putts um, so it will be interesting to see how he gets on because if he does come out and, and play this really really well after that sixth on his debut then, then certainly he'd be looking like an open specialist um, a word on Herbert I kind of just got to the point where I feel like I might just be running out of luck with him I mean he, he won the week two weeks ago for Sky on, on the European Tour show um, I then put him up again the following week saying he was too big because I think he can hold his form. Again, he finishes one shot out of places. Um, and I just wonder if he can do that. He's not got major pedigree to um, to really to his name yet. Uh, ben, before we let uh, Sky compose himself and come on to, to the Italian Stallion himself, <laughs> was there any people that you kind of liked at long shot that you'd be disappointed if they sort of near the frame after you know Saturday? Not many, to be honest. I, and I certainly wouldn't use the... The, the phrase disappointed with with one of them, which is Martin Keimer. I don't think anyone would be surprised <laughs> to, to hear me mention him. To be honest, I looked again at 150s. You know, he played really well here back in 2011. We have yeah. to accept he's he's not the golfer he was then, but he certainly has been capable of producing a very similar level of golf um, in flashes. Um, I came back to the fact that um, he's been basically producing all his best on on a very specific type of golf course, very different one to to this one. Um, but he was interesting. He had, he had two big goals um, that he spoke about from, from the start of 2020. Um, one was to get back into the Open, which he's done. And I know he's not done it in a sort of satisfying way. He's done it because about 20 people are out. Um, <laughs> but he's in. And the other one was to qualify for the Olympics. And he's actually decided not to play because he doesn't think it'll be the experience he was hoping for. But um, those two things, I, I, I think, are fairly significant 
on his sort of roadmap. And and the other thing that you know, Marcel seen one on Sunday um, after a long, long uh, break without a win. These two are very frequent practice partners. Played a World Cup together. Um, you know, the 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 eve of the 2014 U.S. Open at Pinehurst. Marcel Seem and Martin Keimer played together um, and Keimer went on to win the Open. It's, you know, it's, it's nothing really, but I, there was enough to make me look and look again and I love him. So, you know, um, I'll give you a few big prices that I think can go quite well. Um, I thought Danny Willett would go well for a long time. He's not playing well enough to to maintain that view really, but um, he's, a, he's a good links golfer and he's got some history here. He actually won the English Amateur Championship here a long time ago. Um, Joel Damon, I, I think, will play quite well. That, uh, and by that, I mean finish 40th or something. You know, he's a winner by the coast this year. He's he's back playing some nice golf again. I think he's really going to – he's the sort to relish it. I think he's the sort – we've seen it with Kevin Streelman and Brant Snedeker and Ken Duke actually was another one. You, you see them in the bars and the fish and chip shops and just really embracing everything about an open championship. And I can see Joel Damon doing that, and it might be worth a shot. Um, I, I very – strongly considered Takumi Kanaya, um, who is obviously very new to this, um, but it's not his first open. He missed the cut on the number at Port Rush. He's won several times already since turning professional. He won as an amateur as well out in Japan. Um, and actually when he's come over to the European tour, he's, you know, he's top 20, I think in Germany, top 30 in Ireland, uh, ninth in the Dubai Desert Classic. Like you, you start to look at his form on the European tour. It's very, very solid. Um, it's based on hitting fairways and really good scrambling and if it was a firmer test expected i think 350 to 1 he would have interested me because i think he's a far better player than that he's certainly a far better talent than that obviously we're, we're very early on in his development um and the two others i i will throw just as as wild long shots um that that again i think will play well um aaron rye who i like he's hitting the ball well um and this is a good sort of test for him obviously won the scottish open last year and mackenzie hughes um, two top 20s, his last three starts. One of them was at the US Open where he was in contention. Ball stuck up a tree, bit unlucky. Um, we know he's a wizard on the greens. I think he's, there's a bit more to him than that. And if you look at his form, he's won the RSM Classic by the coast. Um, but also he, he produced that brilliant, what was it, 64-64 weekend to finish second in the Honda Classic, which I think is a really good sort of trial for this. And uh, I, I think he's in a good place. And for a 400-to-one shot, who contended for the last major um, that alone makes him of some interest but these are not players I expect to be winning um, they're players who, who can maybe be of some interest in, in some kind of side market and I would echo the views on, on Richard Bland I think there, there's a certain type of player, maybe five or six players in here where if they won when we do these trends in years to come they'll slot in perfectly You know, they'll just underline all the things people are looking for Richard Bland top 15 finish last time out winner this year a bit of open form okay 22nd rather than top 10 um and and there are others like that you know um garrick higo would be one potentially without the open form but uh, bernd wiesberger who sky mentioned again without the open form necessarily but the rest of it it all fits in quite nicely and and you'll see a couple of those play well it's just finding the right ones yeah absolutely agree with an awful lot of that i think that those uh, we, d we don't really necessarily talk about DraftKings as much as maybe we could do, but they're the sort of people that can fill those lines. Mackenzie Hughes obviously making his Open debut, so whilst a lot of people will tell you that you need to have a top 10 Open, I think you generally do. Um, you know, it's, it's the unknown that we, we don't know. He could go really well in this. Emiliano Grillo is interesting. He's played well in Open Championships before, um, has come back to some sort of form this year. 
Um, slightly off the board the last three weeks with missed cuts, but you know played well uh, before that. So I'll be interested, especially with the fact that that, that top 12 finish came at Troon, which I really like. Um, it's just one name to keep an eye on as well. Um, Sky, let's let's exit the show with uh, a Guido Migliozzi loving. Well, Ben mentioned his long shots. He doesn't expect them to potentially win. I have you know high hopes that that Guido is just going to walk away in you know just pure elegance on Sunday from what <laughs> he has really shown. I mean. <sighs> Many golfers. I think we all have, you know, these types of, of ones that we genuinely just root for a side number or betting and, and whether or not, you know, I'll bet him till I die every single week. It's just one that that experience uh, of what he did that Sunday, I guess, over the weekend, um, you know, at Torrey Pines was was special and fun. And I, I just the game he has shown, you know, this year specifically on the European tour is, is just something that Guido never was. You know, he wasn't a short game, you know, that had any sign of hope. He couldn't make a putt. He couldn't chip. All he could do was, you know, blast it off the tee down the fairway and then put an iron to eight feet and, and make a par if he's lucky. Um, and, you know, I think overall um, that side of his game has just been a tremendous improvement and why we see consistency now, um, you know, a back-to-back second place finishes of course with the fourth but i think almost the week that impressed me more than anything was that travelers he was just ho-hum nothing special at all and he finishes a stroke out of you know getting into the rocket mortgage the next week which i think he would have done the same thing and done quite well so um the the game is just continuing uptick last week wasn't all that great it was nice to kind of get that back out of the way on the european tour um you know and kind of have the momentum of of what he's been riding just have you know a a average week and, and get back to a spot where his prices are are long his each way you know, opportunity presents more than, you know, some half of the the betting market, you know, at the top of the leaderboard. So um, those are the type of golfers that I love. And, and I think he's made for these type of moments. And he did well. Um, you know, I think Ben wrote it up um, in his player by player note that um, at the old course was a, a really strong round out of Guido in his, um, you know, very minimal links history that he has. So um, I just think that type of game can absolutely play here and continue to do well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the fact that, you know, after the run that he's been on, you'd be forgiven for him just sort of fading away last week and and not really playing well at all. You know, a lot of travel over into the United States, a lot of excitement. Um, And he he ranked 58th in strokes gain approach last week, which is the worst he's done for for quite some time. Um, But like we've spoken about, that that you expect to come back a following week after a bit of practice. Also, I, I never know quite... In these Scottish Open events, it's hard without actually following them round by round. Quite the motivation of, of, of contending and, and just trying to figure some things out. I think a lot of people will try some shots they've never really tried before around the greens and, and certainly playing out of bunkers and things like that as well. I think I think there's a learning curve to these Scottish Open. I think we've all alluded to it at this point. So it'd be really interesting to see how he goes on. I think that, you know, the, I think he's built for the, for the US Open, the PGA Championship more so than the Open Championship, but that's only based on the fact that we don't have an awful lot to go by in terms of, of Link's form. So that would be the one reservation for me. His um, back was against the wall on Friday, too, yeah. after he didn't play very well on Thursday. And to go out and shoot, I think he opened with a bogey, um, and, and, he, and he went out and shot 
you know, six under the rest of the way, five under um, round with being paired, you know, with Harrington. I think it's, you know, pretty intentional why, you know, they put Bland and Guido with them, even though, you know, maybe they are long shots to be a captain pick. Um, it was nice to, to kind of have Patty have his eyes on them both for two rounds and for Guido not to, you know, really, you know, show any any lack of form and, and come out very well on Friday to make the cut and, and give himself a shot. I think that's a sign of a really good player and, and a developing player as well. I think that's the sort of thing that Tilra Hatton's doing an awful lot is that, you know, when their back's against the wall, they do make that cut that maybe they wouldn't have done so two years prior or whatever. And, and Guido is now developing into that player. Like you say, he's played under the scope of Podrick Harrington. OK, yes, maybe it's a long shot to see Guido and Richard Bland in this Ryder Cup. Um, but as we've just spoken about, if Richard Bland carries on his form and, and he does the unthinkable here and wins, then I don't know quite how you leave him out, which is going to be a story in itself. Um, so I'll leave on that note, because we've just mentioned that Richard Bland might be on the Ryder Cup team and might win the Open Championship. So I will yeah. head through my slightly more serious selections. Uh, Tyrrell Hatton at 33-1. to 1. Brooks Kepka, I'm pretty keen on. Uh, I think he will make this, the plan at 18 to 1. Sergio Garcia at 66s, 50s, 70s, whatever you like with the place terms. Um, I'm going to have a look at Alex Norrid and see if there's a way I can get him on board. And Lucas Glover is my, my real long shot at 275 to 1 and, and 200 to 1 for the more places. Uh, ben, if I can get you to round up your selections for me. Of course. Alex Noren, by the way, even money to be the top Swede when you consider Stenton's game and the fact that Kinnell is only just back from uh, a very difficult period. That that seems good business to me. But um, I'll take Tyrrell Hatton, uh, Shane Lowry, Tommy Fleetwood, Sergio Garcia, Daniel Berger, Brandon Grace and Ricky Fowler. And I've written in my piece that it does sort of read like a preview that has been lost somewhere and was actually written in 2016 but um you know in the open championship that's probably not a bad thing um and if we can just get some 2016 form out of a, a few of these we might be all right yeah i was gonna say if, if any of the majors that is the one that you want to do that in so jason if you could uh, round up your picks for me well i'm now changing my specials bet that ben gave us 20 minutes to write because he's just giving it away <laughs> right uh, that's fine. um i'll be honest with you I've got too long a list and I haven't come down yet. So I really can't give you it. I've, I've just got too long a list. Xander Schauffele would be your headline selection. Is that fair to Z- say? Xander would be the headline. Obviously, Bob Mack is uh, the anti-post. Um, and I, I, to be honest, I think English and Leishman and Casey are rock solid. But um, I've got hundreds circled, literally 12. So keep an eye out on your Twitter for the rest of the week. Mm, if you want. <laughs> Skyler, if you could round up your picks, I know you're probably a bit of the same boat with Jason that you may have not quite settled on on all your picks there, but uh, certainly some names that you're uh, following this week. Yeah, I think with how much I'm investing in the long shots, I probably only have you know ability to add one or two more. But um, I'm really keen on on getting either on Spieth or or Brooks. I think Spieth is the one right now for me um, that I if I you know gun to the head would be the one um, Scotty Scheffler, and then we'll get deeper into again odds have changed a little bit but you know Poulter uh you know Poulter on you know right around hundreds when it came out I think the best he is is like 80 in the states again right now but Lucas Herbert Bern Wiesberger Richard Bland um and of course the one and only Guido Migliazzi <laughs> I think it's really wise for you to to make the decision between uh Spieth and Kepka and go down the side that I didn't I think that's a good decision to make um guys thank you as ever that was a monumental effort uh for the Open Championship uh, really looking forward to seeing what we've got there. I'll be there Saturday, Sunday. So hopefully that rain does stay away because I don't like really getting soaking wet, despite the fact it might make for a more entertaining round of golf. Um, ben, Skyler, thank you for joining me as ever. Thank you. Always a pleasure.
Yes, appreciate it. Have a blast this weekend, Tom. Thank you very much. And Jason, as ever, thank you very much for co-hosting, and I look forward to speaking to you in the week. Thank you very much to, to Ben and Sky. Uh, genuine pleasure to have you on uh, join these majors. Uh, very honoured. And also, don't forget Seamus Power for the Barbasol. <laughs> His favourite. Amazing. Anyway. Well, all I would say is I actually strangely have a look at Sean O'Hare for the Barbasol Championship. Yeah, okay. We're not going I, into it. We're not. I'm not <laughs> dedicating. I'm not dedicating any minutes to the Barbasol Championship. I will put something out on Twitter like I did last week, which didn't really work in my favour. Um, but thank you very much, everyone, for listening, and we'll uh, join you again next week. Bye.